This is Ross Coulthard, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. That UFO Podcast is powered by Zencaster. Zencaster is one of the world's leading platforms for recording and hosting podcasts. The open beta strives to put the power of studio-quality remote video production into the hands of anyone with a story to tell. Features include HD video recording, studio-quality sound, chat and footnotes. All running right from your browser so you can record from anywhere without ever installing anything. Check out the links in the show description to find out more. What it's not, though, is an oath to bureaucracy. The things that you do leave out are what people like me will ask you when you come to talk about the book yeah, on, on shows in the future. Um, one of those shows that people ask about uh, is Joe Rogan. Now, Chris Mellon has been on Joe Rogan. Dave Fravor has been on Joe Rogan. George Knapp. You, as of yet, are still uh, conspicuous by your absence. Has that been something that has been planned and never happened? Or is it something that's in the future for you? I don't think about it. Um, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a Hollywood guy. I'm not, I, I'm not a, I'm not somebody that seeks attention uh, or, or wants to be seen every time I'm on mainstream media. Cause they asked me to be on it. I don't go out and say, Hey, put me on TV. You know, I, I'm, I'm not that guy. Um, I really frankly don't give a damn if I'm on someone's podcast or not. Um, to me, it's not a, uh, you know, I, I know exactly who I am. I don't need that validation or vindication to be on any team. I've always been Lou Elizondo and I always will be Lou Elizondo. Um, I don't think about it. To my knowledge, Joe Rogan hasn't asked me. And frankly, I haven't reached out to him and asked him. Um, I figure if he wants me on a show, he'll ask me and I'll consider it. Um, but I don't need to be on anybody's show. For example, I'm doing this with you. You know, I'm doing this because you asked me. I didn't come out to ask you. Can I be on your podcast? And I don't give a damn if you have one follower or one billion followers. You know, if you ask me to be on your program and, and you're a decent guy, I'll, I'm happy to do it. You know, if you're, you're a decent person. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that's short and simple. He hasn't asked me. And, and frankly, I haven't, <laughs> I haven't really asked him either. The, the benefit for people like myself is I get so many listeners tell me that they found me because they saw you or Dave Fravor or another or any of those or those people who speak on UFOs on, you know, Joe Rogan's podcast or Kurt Mungo Theory of Everything or Brian Keating had Tom DeLong on his podcast and they find smaller podcasts like mine and they start to explore the subject a lot more. So for a podcast like Joe Rogan, there's going to be millions of people who, of course, they know about UFOs, but there's no real interest there and someone like you and potentially the book could be a huge spark for that mainstream push and that can only help the conversation in terms of the the american people for a start getting this conversation going through local constituencies you know from from their um their, their elected officials and and further up the chain wouldn't it yeah i don't disagree with you um but like i said you know i i, I don't control you know mr rogan's schedule i don't i don't uh and i don't particularly you know, you know, I, I, I think it's pretty obvious I'm pulling away from social media. Um, it's, it's become a bit of a distraction. Um, unfortunately, my presence, the, the conversation has shifted more about me and, and less about transparency and UFOs. Um, you know, every day people are, are, are fighting over literally the choice of one word that people use. And it's, it's silly, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's just, it, it takes away because people who really want to learn about this topic for the first time, the first thing they do is they, they, they jump on, on, you know, social media, maybe UFO Twitter, 
and and it's it's just a cesspool of of of, of bickering and infighting over stupid stuff, you know. And and unfortunately, it inadvertently I may be part of the cause of that because people focus on me rather than the message. They focus on the messenger and not the message. And um, you know, I, I it's it's problematic, and that's why you, there is a probably a, a, a very obvious absence. Uh, of my presence on, on social media. Um, I, I'm really trying to do, do to, to disclosure a favor because I see that people are beginning to act like, like children and, and they get very, very petty and, and they start attacking each other. And it's, uh, I, I, I don't have the time for it. And, and the topic's too important, really, to, 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 to get yourself involved in that, you know, tempest in a teapot. Um, the, the topic deserves much more respect than that. And so, um, Joe Rogan, if he were again going back to the question, would I do it? I don't know. I, I'd have to see, you know, his content. I don't. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Um, it is a way to have the conversation and 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 have a fair conversation. If people are interested in the topic, then yeah, I'd probably do it. But if it's to go there and you know do something like a you know like the old Jerry Springer show and just you know sensationalism and salaciousness, I'm I'm not interested in doing. I'll just add to the the social media side of things. I understand that. I think the other day I saw someone comment, Lou, you'd you'd shared an anecdote, which no doubt you've shared similar anecdotes many times. And within the anecdote, the name of a football team, I think it was changed. And that's what someone argued about and picked up on, that you were clearly lying because the name of the team had changed. And it was like, that's that's not the point of the the, the sentence to be focusing on. But it's one of those that people won't know what they've got until it's gone, which generally happens. And not only yourself, but other other social media uh, folks yeah, and voices no, it's, and it's, 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 it's a silly right because you say Miami Dolphins versus Miami Hurricanes you know it, it's it's just it's so it's so dumb and it's um it, it's it, it's a distraction from from the real conversation and people don't people don't understand they just don't get it you know uh, they also will, will will point out well you know Lou said this but FOIA didn't you know prove that For, there's no there's no FOIA documentation oh, well <laughs> FOIA isn't king <laughs> You might have a king of FOIA, but their FOIA isn't king. Uh, there's a lot that happens that's that's done verbally. This entire podcast, you know, you can't FOIA it. <laughs> We're having a conversation where a lot of information is exchanged, uh, and that's true inside the government. And just people people decide to focus on these things, and it's again, it's I think it's a, it's a distraction. You're, you're, we're not doing the cause any favors, and people who come in fresh, they see this. And it's it's just a mosh pit of of egos and and beliefs and you know petty little money making enterprises and that we want to control the narrative. I mean, it's just it's just silly. And so uh, let's let's elevate this conversation to where it belongs, where it deserves. Let's put it on the pedestal where and just take it out of the the, the muddy ditch that it, it keeps finding itself in. And um, so that's that's yeah, that's that's my perspective, anyways. No, that's fair. And and amongst those dissenting voices and the drama and the infighting, there's a lot of great people and it's nice to speak to those. And I can see your point. I think within the, to move on the conversation with us here, Lou, some of the, the down period or quiet period causes folk to need to make that drama. And in the build up to the UAP task force report, we had an excitement and a building of momentum. Uh, the mainstream media coverage was picking up. That was led from the front by people like yourself, Sean Cahill, Chris Mellon, and others appearing on shows around the world. That certainly peaked as 2021 drew to a close as the report came and you know uh, things were implemented in the background and then went quiet. 
when do you see that potential next wave beginning to happen again or is it underway it's underway um look you know the problem is that we as a society have become so hooked on instant gratification and that that does sean likes to say that dopamine hit right that we are now at the point where we can do within a punch of a button i can shop online i can get something delivered to my house i can get food delivered to my house i can you know it's as some of the advertisements for fast food companies have it your way and have it now right we we've we've become so accustomed to that 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 and information is really at the tip of our hands Any, anything you want to do is jump online and I, I can get answers that i need uh, i can pull a youtube video on how to do something um instantly and the problem is this topic is not an there's no instant solution there's no instant answer and so so people get get impatient with that and with that impatience they get frustrated with that frustration they get angry and you know this is why i've told people before and i know they don't like the advice look if if, if if you find yourself frustrated and angry, maybe tune out for five years and, and check back in in five years and see where we are in the conversation. Because this isn't instant gratification. This isn't. I'm not gonna, and, and I'm not gonna tell you what to think about it. Right? You turn to the most media outlets today. Not only are they going to tell you the news, but they're going to tell you what you should think about it. Because it's mostly a big editorial, really. Um, most media outlets are that way. Not all, but 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 a lot of them are. And so that's problematic. Because we become so lazy as a society, not only do we want to know what's going on, but we also want to be told what to think about it because we're too lazy to even think for ourselves half the time. And, and that's a shame. And this topic is so important and it's so, so, so revolutionary for our species that, that it deserves time and patience. It, it deserves respect. It deserves to have, you know, really, really smart people from around the world and academia and science and technology to to, to look at this problem and, and it's not going to be solved overnight it's just not and i know that's hard for a lot of people because they're like well we've already known for the last 70 years well okay we've known some but we, we don't have the answers yet and 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 in that void don't be tempted to start speculating and creating your own narrative that well you know, this must be the case, and therefore we've had a, you know a, a treaty alliance with the Pleiadians, and, and we're, we're fighting the reptilians and all that nonsense. It's it's not helpful to the cause. Um, people people have a tendency to fill those gaps, information gaps, with speculation. And 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 although it's okay to speculate, we have to we have to be cognizant of the fact that speculation is just speculation. It, it it's not fact, and we we confuse our beliefs a lot of times with what we think and with what we know. And and they're not necessarily, you know, they're not necessarily the same. Lou, moving on to the future, I've got a, a couple of questions here. You've just mentioned that the comeback in five years comment. You've made that before. What could the landscape of this conversation look like realistically, with the progress being made now and looking at that potential growth or accelerated progress? What could it look like? Wow. Well. Let me answer that by saying I am extremely hopeful for this next generation. Um, it is this next generation that is going to 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 inherit this this topic, and hopefully not make the same mistakes my generation made regarding this topic. Um, I think most of the answers are, are going to be within the next twenty years. That a lot of the answers we're looking for, we may have answers in the next twenty years, and I think it's going to be up to this next generation to to solve some of these 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 big questions um 
I, I you know, I, I think we can hopefully, first of all, know what our government has known for the last 70 years about this topic, first and foremost. Before we can go move forward, we first need to 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 get a handle on what we already know. And and that's going to be a very difficult task because there's a lot of interest and equities at stake. There's this there's a lot of baggage. Um, and that baggage needs to be sorted out and addressed. Um, so my hope is that in the next 20 years, we will have, I guess in the future, right, um, that we, we know more about the past. We can, we can have a definitive understanding of who was involved in what projects and what, what insight was gained as a result of, of those efforts. Um, if we can achieve that in the next 20 years, then I think the following 20 years after that, we can start maybe getting answers to some of the big questions. Right, that everybody wants to know: where are they from? What are the intent? What's the intent? You know, what? How do? How, how does it work? Um, that's that's just me personally speaking. I, I could be wrong. That's 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 my that's my perspective. I'm going to ask you a question just because you you mentioned there what, who could they be, where could they be from, etc. And Dan might laugh at this because I called him when I thought about this on the bus home from work the other day, and I very badly um, elaborated to him what I wanted to ask. If we, as a species, Lou, discovered the technology to travel in different dimensions, space or time, we, we land upon a, a craft and we can zip into, say, a different dimension, like you've talked about before, there's potentially a shadow biome or maybe they're here but not here directly. How would we as a species, do you think, use that technology? Would we behave uh, in a similar way to how these others may be behaving? You know, Mother Nature, she's, she's really clever. She's had a long time to figure out uh, biology. And there may be a reason why we don't have the answers yet that we're seeking. Maybe we're just simply as a species not ready for it, right? Um, perhaps we're not ready for nuclear technology. Look, 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 look of the angst that it's causing right now in, in the Ukraine. And now you have, you know, uh, two countries that are fighting each other, potentially putting the entire world at the brink of war. Right? and annihilating all living species on this planet. Um, are we really ready for that technology uh, as a species? Um, I, I don't know. Um, you know are, are we giving a loaded handgun to a child if we were to have this type of technology? Um, you know, I think some, some people are probably ready for it and could be trusted with it, but there's a whole lot of people that I don't think can be. You know, we have rogue nations out there all the time. And look, I'm, I'm going to, I'm a patriot to my country, but I'm going to tell you, you know, there's only been one country so far in the last century that's ever used uh, uh, an atomic technology against, you know, other human beings. And that was my country in World War II. Now, arguably it may have saved many more lives. Uh, but, but we, you know, the moment we, we discovered that technology, we, we use it against our fellow man. Uh, and that's, that's, that's problematic because that's human nature. That's not just an American thing. It's not just a Russian or a Chinese thing. That's that's human nature. Um, you know, you, you give one monkey uh, a, a stone and you give another monkey a club. Well, guess what? They're going to use it against each other because that's that's what we do. We, we, you know, species tend to be violent, uh, unfortunately, because it's part of our evolution for survival and, and the competition for resources. It's 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 innate. It's it's part of our our, our DNA. Uh, plants even do it. They compete for resources. Humans do it. Every animal on this planet. 
it's almost uh, an unwritten rule of, of, of survival, right? So are we prepared for some sort of technology that now we can export uh, our, our tendencies um, perhaps across the cosmos? You know, would, would that even be wise knowing how we, how we behave with each other? Are we really prepared to be part of any, if there is some sort of cosmic community, so to speak, are we really even prepared to, to, to interact with that? Um, I, I, I'm not so sure that we are, but I do also think that the truth is important. I think we must tell the truth. I think our species is prepared for the reality that we're not alone. Now, I'm not saying we're necessarily prepared to, to, to go out there and engage, but, but the mere fact that we're not alone is, I think it's, it's, that's not a, a fact that should be classified or, or kept secret from, 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 from citizens of the world. I also think it might help us maybe, just maybe treat each other a little better. If we know that there's something bigger out there, something, something that is, is, is now touchable, if you will. Um, you know, can we learn from that? Can, can we learn the fact that, hey, you know, we don't have to destroy ourselves to, to evolve. We don't have to beat each other up with a club or a stone. You know, we can work together and maybe use a club and the stone as a tool and to the benefit of the, of, you know, of, of, of the species, you know. Um, Let me ask you to follow that on slightly and hopefully I word this this appropriately say a group of responsible individuals I'm going to say yourself and Christopher Mellon are given this technology okay would you behave the same way observing another intelligent species on their planet would you stay at a great height would you observe their navy from a distance you know do you appreciate how these objects appear to behave and do you think we would do exactly the same well, we, we, we do now, don't we? When we when we fly over the, the Serengeti in Africa with a helicopter, looking at the, the migratory patterns of wildebeest, right? We stay a safe distance. We, we fly over the herd, probably scare the hell out of them when we're flying. Sometimes we may decide to dart one and, and pull some blood samples to, to see, you know, the health of the herd and, and whatnot, the reproductive uh, health. And, and then, uh, you know, we, we, we fly away. And of course, the, the wildebeest wakes up, you know, a couple hours later with, you know, a sore button. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> you know? um, we, we, we do that now. We do it in, in the deep oceans. Uh, we, that's, that's kind of the, what, what science does, isn't it? We, we observe. Uh, science is the art of observation uh, and, and understanding. And in order to understand, you have to observe. And I think that's precisely probably what, what what we would do anyway, whether, whether it's me or Chris or not, I think we would do that as a species. Uh, we would, we would continue doing what we do now with our own, with, with even our own species. Right. Um, so. Billionaire John Caldwell once said, if I'm lucky, I only get recruitment wrong 70% of the time, but how is it we accept being wrong so much of the time? With the cost of finding the right match for both people and organizations so high, it's imperative that you choose the right team to help you on that path. Recruitix is one of the fastest growing recruitment companies in the UK. With an expert team of dedicated, passionate, high-experienced professionals, they are the perfect choice to make sure you get it right, first time, every time. 
With a range of departments covering almost all sectors, it doesn't matter if you need a highly specialised IT professional, a boots-on-the-ground salesperson, accountant, mechanical engineer, or anything else, they have the expert team in-house to ensure you find the resources you need. As a friend of the podcast, they will offer all new organisations wanting to give them a try heavily discounted fees to 10% of per annum salary, representing an enormous saving compared to the rest of the market. Just visit recruitix.co.uk UK, that's recruitix.co.uk. Leave your details, tell them the podcast sent you, and one of their expert team will be in touch. You mentioned that 20 years' time, future generations may benefit from the questions and the progress that's hap- that are happening now. One of the tools that we'll have in just a few months is the James Webb Telescope, which will be up and running at full functionality. How important a role in our understanding of who we are and are we alone do you think this will or could play? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just another tool in the tool bag, isn't it, right? I mean, you don't build a house with just a hammer or just a screwdriver. You have to have a tool bag to, to build a house. And, and and that's precisely what the James Webb Telescope is and the Galileo Project with what they're doing and, and other, other efforts. Um, you know, these are just another tool that you need ultimately to, to, to build the house. Um, some tools are used more than others. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it, it, you really want a complete tool bag. If you want to do a good job and build a build, build a strong house, um, you know the problem with, with with telescopes, you know deep deep field telescopes is that it's a lot like looking at the sky through a straw. Um, you know you can see very very far, but it's only a very very small portion of the sky, and you know you also have focal issues. You know something. I, I, people know that I, I'm a, you know I have a, I'm a bit of a, a gun guy, right? have firearms and, and when you're looking through a scope one thing is interesting because when you're looking at an object way 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 far away you can have something pass right by in front of you but because the optics are the way they are you're not going to pick it up you're, you're, because the, 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 the focus is on a very distant object and that's what's in focus anything in front of that field becomes increasingly more and more blurry till eventually something can pass right in front of it and you won't even see it because the, the focus is so far downrange. Um, that's the problem with 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 a lot of telescopes in general. You know, unless you're focusing on something, um, you're, there's a really good possibility you're not you're not going to see it. First of all, you have to be looking at the right part of the sky, and then you have to be looking at the right depth, right? And skies, as we know, is infinite, right? So how, how do you know where to <laughs> where to focus if you want to see something? Um, so those are some of the challenges with with you know modern technology. It's really really good. If you have a static object you're looking at, but if you have an object that's moving, it becomes more complicated. And if you don't know where it's going to be in the sky, when, whatnot. So, you mentioned the Galileo project, of which you you are on board, uh, along with many many other scientists, academics, and people from a whole range of backgrounds. In what direction is the project going, and is it one that you've got a, a long term future with? You know, I, I I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, you have someone like Abby Loeb who has decided to purposely buck the system. Uh, that's that's a big deal. Um, you know what? I'm going to share something with you guys. Um, and uh, I, I, share, I, I may have shared this with a few folks already. I'm going to share a, a, a something that I picked up. And you guys can tell me what you think. Um, give me one moment here. No problem. Okay. So I'm going to pull this up. Okay, so I'm going to show this to 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 your folks. Uh, it is a peanuts cartoon. 
Okay. And let me read if I can real quick. Quote, unquote, trust the science is the most anti-science statement ever. Questioning science is how you do science. And I agree with that. Um, you know, we have to challenge the status quo. That's the only reason why uh, we now realize the Earth is not the center of the solar system, you know, aptly named Galo from Galileo, because Galileo decided to buck the system and say, look, your current understanding of the universe is flawed, right? And of course, everybody, I mean, he almost paid with it with his life, you know, for even saying that. Turned out he was right. Let's not forget that every principle in science that we now take for granted as a law started off as someone's wacky, zany idea, you know, a proposal. Um, and I think Galileo, the project that Abby Loeb is, has, has pioneered, is, 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 is part of that spirit, you know. Let's not take for granted the things that we, we, we think as, as facts. Um, there's a lot we still have yet to learn. And I think the way he is approaching this, particularly using, using some, some technology and, and telescopes, uh, wide field uh, telescopes, is, is a great start. Because, look, he only has to be right one time. One time, and he's probably going to get the Nobel Prize for it if he's right. Um, you know, so, so that's a big deal. And you have to be able to take risks. That's what the pursuit of real science is all about. It's about risks. It's about asking the hard questions. And, and, you know, sometimes the answer may not be necessarily very convenient, but it turns out to be the truth. So that's, that would be my, that would be my, uh, my two cents regarding, regarding Abby Loeb and the Galileo project. I wish we had more scientists like Abby, to be honest with you. We interviewed Avi Loeb just two weeks ago, so if people haven't heard that, go back and check it out. But yeah, I'm sure if Galileo had social media back in his day, the abuse he would have gotten would have driven him off social media as well. So I can <laughs> yeah. appreciate that. Yeah, I guess to, to some degree, he's probably pretty lucky there wasn't Twitter Twitter back then. Yeah. Um, Gary Nolan, Professor Gary Nolan, like I say, is coming on the podcast in a few weeks. I'm honoured with that. He, he doesn't do too many interviews. He's a very, very busy man. Um, he mentioned on uh, Cut Dry Mungo Theories of Everything, which happened, uh, that came out just last week. Um, we need an organisation we can turn to who can vet the data. I'm involved with Lou Elizondo and others trying to set that up. Is that something you can elaborate on and speak on that organisation? I mean, you, you said it yourself, Gary's an incredible human being. I mean, really, really impressive. You know, I, it's funny because I went to school to be a uh, to, uh, for, for microbiology, immunology, and parasitology, and you know, got my minors in the science and mathematics fields. And then you meet someone like Garrett, who's actually been nominated for the Nobel Prize in, in immunology. Um, you know, it's 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 pretty pretty incredible. Um, Having him on board is a blessing. You know, he, he's, he has been very helpful in the past in this effort and this endeavor. Um, he's precisely the type of skill set that we need. And yes, I am working with, with Gary Nolan uh, and others, by the way, to create uh, advisory boards, um, academic advisory boards, if you will, or think tanks uh, and scientific think tanks that can, um, you know, do a lot of the heavy lifting, right? Get the, have, have the conversation in a way that, that is meaningful, that's informative, uh, and, and, and head shed, helps shed some light on this topic. Um, and, you know, all I can say is I'm, I'm blessed that, that Gary's part of the team. 
we have other very, very smart people as well that are part of the team. I, they haven't given me permission to share their names, so I won't yet. Uh, but I think people will be really impressed when they when they finally see these 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 endeavors uh, finalized and, and 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 come to fruition. People will be surprised to see the te- the, the type of caliber of individuals that are that are on these these boards. Um, you know, look, I, I'll be the first one to say I'm, I I have deliberately taken myself out of uh, other than setting it up uh, any role of, of being on these boards because I don't have the qualifications. And I know that, you know, it's, it, I'm not, uh, I, I, I don't have a PhD in, in, in the areas that are necessary. You know, I, I'm not, uh, and I don't claim to, you know, we need, we need the right people for these jobs. And I also know my limitations. I know that I'm not the right person for, for, for those jobs. I'm not doing it out of pride and ego. Sure. I probably could, could shoehorn myself into to one of those positions, but for what? It would just be a distraction because I don't have the necessary, the requisite skill sets. Uh, for for these positions, I, I I am smart enough to know that we have a need for them, but I'm not smart enough to actually do it um, to to actually be in that role. And so, uh, Gary is one of the few people who actually is smart enough to be to be in one of those roles. And, and we're working very hard to 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 formalize some of these um, some of these endeavors. Is there any timescale as to when the, the public, people like myself, are going to find out about these endeavors in a more formal way? Yeah. Yeah, hopefully soon. I mean, there's some there's some hurdles still, and some some things that we have to do. You know, anytime you set up something like this, there's legal hurdles, and you've got corporate hurdles, and you've got funding hurdles, and you've got you know secretariat hurdles and administrative hurdles. There's, I mean, this isn't just snap your fingers and it happens. You know, people people tend to think that oh, you know, this this is fun work. It's not. It's exhausting. It's it's real work, man. It's real. A lot of, a lot of effort has to go into this, and a lot of a lot of brain power to set this up right because if you set it up wrong, then you know four or five years down the road, you're, you're really going to find yourself suffering the consequences. So, so it's better to do a little bit extra footwork and homework up front to to make these these organizations to set them up correctly and and allow them to be enduring and, and to 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 not just be a layer of bureaucracy. Right? We don't need another layer of bureaucracy. What we need are, are, are results. We, we need we need we need findings. And so that's what these organizations are being set up to do. Look, I, I've said this shouldn't be a secret to anybody because I, I gave a briefing and I even shared those briefing slides when I went to Italy and and then reshared them on a, on a podcast. I mean, I, I've been saying this was going to happen for the last six, seven months. I actually have a diagram where I showed, you know, what a, a national lab might look like and all these little branches coming out. Um, you know, I... I I kind of hinted at this for for some time. Just before we get to listener questions to finish off, Lou, because I've got so many and I want to at least ask a few of them. I want to ask you one more question from myself. Um, The day you get to ride off into your sunset, satisfied your work is finally done, what do you hope to have accomplished? Gosh, you know, people have already told me I'm there. I could do it tomorrow. I could do it today. I mean, mission accomplished. We got the we got the topic elevated to the point now where it's it's been acknowledged by 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 former directors of CIA and former presidents and, and, and current sitting members of Congress, and we actually have a law. I mean, in theory, I could walk away now. The problem is, I, I, I I'm, I'm concerned that we we we're still not where we need to be, and this topic doesn't backslide because because if it's not actively engaged 
then we fall victim to the potential that this could be 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 in five years relegated to well we did our due diligence nothing to see here folks right i don't want another blue book uh, that's that's not the intent of this we put too much effort into this just to have this die on the vine because it, it lost momentum so um you know what it looks like for me is when 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 we know everything we've done in the past the american people uh are are satisfied with that they 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 they've had some of their questions answered and we have a deliberate plan to move forward on this topic uh in a way that is endearing and informative and uh, insightful and responsible and i think we need to have the conversation truly at the international level have some international bodies involved and at that point i i feel that i've done all i can do um I think I can still do more to help. Hopefully, anyways, you know, I, I, do I do I want to? No, I, I don't. I'm exhausted, I'm tired. But but do I feel the need to? Yeah, I do. I do. I, my mission isn't complete yet. It's not. I, I wish it was. I'm, I'm, like I said, it's been a long long road so far for me and for my family. But um, it's it's too important. Too important of a mission. You know, it's it's we're, we're running a long marathon. It's a relay race, and I'm waiting for someone to pick up the baton uh, that won't drop it, right? Or or get lazy and get tired and, and say, "Yeah, I don't feel like running anymore." No, no, you you have to. Whoever picks up this baton, you 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 got to run till someone else takes it from your your hand. You know, you're you're stuck with it. Once it's kind of like the old uh, what is it? The old uh, Pottery Barn um, saying: When you go to Pottery Barn, you know, if you break it, you bought it. <laughs> so once yeah. that baton is in your hand, you 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 own it, man. You you got to carry it, and you got to carry it. To the end, and you know who knows how long that is. You got to carry it till someone takes it from you, right? It's just like in the army, you know. When when you, how long do you guard your post? Well, as long as you're told to, you know, until someone else comes up and relieves you of that responsibility. That's your post. You you stay and you guard it until that relief comes. And if relief never comes, then you stay there forever. Lou, I'm going to go right into the deep end with listener questions and thank you to everyone who sent over. I'm not exaggerating when I say there was about three to 400 questions submitted to Lou, of which I did read every one of them. And uh, hopefully in some way your question's been answered in the body of the interview um, or it'll get answered in future in some way, shape or form. First up, uh, Jason in Los Angeles. Lou, if you remember last time you were on the podcast with me, you very candidly shared details of your mother's passing. Um, Jason wants to know, do you believe the inevitable process of human death is in any way connected to the phenomenon? Ooh, I have no idea. Um, you know, like I said, we live in a, in, in a wondrous and, and, and huge universe. I guess anything's possible, really. Um, you know, death, I've been around death enough, probably too much, where what I've learned is that death is a, is a process. Uh, death is a transition. Uh, death is not an event. It is, it is a transition. Just like birth, it's a transition. Uh, coming into one reality and then crossing over that threshold into something else, an unknown, but, but, but still something else. Um, I don't know the relationship, uh, if any, regarding UAP. I guess it's anybody's guess. Could be. Um, you know, but then we get into potentially the discussion of, you know, some some theological principles such as angels and demons and things like that. 
Um, I, I don't think we, we know enough yet. I mean, certainly some people in the Pentagon, when I was in the Pentagon, was a very afraid, was afraid of the topic because of that very, very issue, that, 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 that connection. Um, you know, I, 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 I just don't know, think we have enough data right now to substantiate, to substantiate that. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be surprised either way if it does or doesn't, um, you know, but I, I, I think, um, I think we have a long way to go before we can really definitively answer that question because, because death is such an unknown and UAPs are such an unknown, right? That, that are the two connected? Well, the one way they are connected is that we really don't know very much about either one. <laughs> so that's, that's for certain. Uh, but is there a, 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 a more intimate connection between the two? I have no idea. The next question from Jack Burton. Jack asks, Lou, during or since your time with ATIP, are you aware of any loss of human life directly related to UAP? Wow, I got to be really careful with that. Um, I'm going to have to pass on that question respectfully. There, there's no way I can answer that question without... Yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get into that question right now. I'm sorry. Let me follow up with another listener question, Lou, but it's along similar lines, but potentially less of a direct human impact. Um, Mr. Calhoun asks, can Lou elaborate whether different parts of aircraft during close encounters with UAPs were subject to varying degrees of damage? Wow. Um, Let me answer this. There's there's information to suggest that, that avionics can be interfered with. Um, we've seen it with uh, rotary wing uh, helicopters and we've seen it with fixed wing aircraft where there seemed to be some sort of interference. We don't know if it's deliberate or not, but there, there some cases aircraft have lost power. Uh, in other cases, uh, aircraft have um, seemed to physically have, have <laughs> stopped, believe it or not, in midair. Um, so, uh, Put simply, Mr. Calhoun, uh, great question. Yes. Um, John wants to know, is there any understanding of the best conditions for these craft to fly around or function? And for me to add on to that, Lou, I've always been very interested that as, as fast as these objects can go through the air, they still seem to slow down considerably underwater, even though they go faster, much faster than anything we have. Yeah, well, actually, underwater is it's funny you say that um, because um, you know we, we're we're using radar a lot of times to see things in the air, and radar is an electromagnetic um, energy wave that is traveling uh, at the, the roughly the speed of light. Um, the problem is underwater you have to use acoustics. Radar really doesn't work. You have to use sonar, and sonar is limited by the speed of sound underwater which is fast, but it's not that fast. And so, so it could very well be the reason why we see these things moving slower underwater is not because they're actually moving slower because those are the only ones when they're moving that slow we see, in essence, see with, with, with sonar or hear, if you will, really it's more accurate. Um, if, if a vehicle is moving fast enough, sonar won't catch up to it. So, so in essence, you're not going to see, you're not going to hear those. You're not going to be able to detect those because, because the, 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 the way sonar works, you have a ping, and that ping sends out an acoustic 
signature out into the water. It hits something, reflects back, and comes back. Very much like, like a bat uses sonar and, and whales and dolphins. But there's limitations because, again, sound can only travel so fast underwater. Um, there was a really interesting experiment done back in the 60s. And uh, forgive me if I don't have all the details correct. So it's been a long time since I heard about this. But they were dropping depth charges uh, to, 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 uh, in the 60s off the coast of uh, they're in the Caribbean, if I'm not mistaken. And they were trying to see how far sound waves would travel underwater. And there were these, um, you know, these 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 subaquatic channels, if you will, uh, like like canyons underwater. Sound waves would travel, you know, long, very long distance. And I think it was like within 12 hours, they picked up uh, one of these acoustic signatures off the coast of Australia or something like that. Again, please don't hold me to it. I don't know, but it was, it was some remarkable distance, you know, halfway around the world. Uh, they they picked up these signatures. But that's still not, you know, 13,000 miles an hour, 10,000 miles an hour. My point being is that, that there's limitations to sonar underwater. So we don't know if these things really do go slower underwater or if that's just a limitation of our own technology. And that's why we're, we're not picking up anything beyond maybe eight, 900 knots underwater. Interesting. Um, Fred asks that in a recent interview on Martin Willis' podcast UFO, you were asked about the aerial school incident and you responded there was some unknown and compelling information about the event. Can you elaborate? I cannot right now. Uh, someone else is going to provide that. Um, I've been asked respectfully not to discuss it. Um, that information will be forthcoming uh, in a very public way for some from people for the consumers. Um, I, I, so out of respect for, for some, some friends and colleagues, I'm, I'm not going to elaborate on it. The good news is that you're going to probably get a full, <laughs> a, a full earful of it at some point. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'll leave it at that. I know there's one or two productions uh, in the pipeline to come out. So hopefully if it's, if it's one of those, that would be great that we're going to get to see that. So thanks. I, I, I um, suspect it is. Yeah, that, that's good to hear. Uh, Josh asks, did ATIP specifically ever prepare any formal reports for the DOD or DIA? Yeah, absolutely. We did a lot. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's reports there. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't force DIA or DOD to release them, but those reports are there. And, and you know, with, with enough scratching, I'm sure the IG is aware of it. I wouldn't be surprised if they have copies of some of those reports. But yeah, absolutely they were. I think what Josh is getting at as well is the idea that as other documents still to be foiled, and that doesn't have to be by one individual who seems to foil everything himself, that other people could be requesting that haven't seen the light of day. Yeah, there's a lot, but it, but you can foil them. Doesn't mean they're going to be released. I mean, there, there's there's a tranche of information and data that that is not being released. People are like, oh well, they don't have it. It'd be foiled. They said, you know, nothing to see here. Well, <laughs> that's. That's not entirely accurate. You know, there's a lot there. That's why I keep saying, look, you know, FOIA is good, but it has its limitations. There is a lot of information available uh, that is 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 not going to be found with FOIA. I'll just I'll just say that. And is the issue with FOIA in that sense, Lou, that there's an incompetence, or is it more of a, a sinister aspect to it that certain things are deliberately held back? Uh, probably both. I'll be the first one to tell you that a lot of the documentations that we wrote for ATIP were FOIA exempt deliberately. Um, you know, some of it is 
incompetence or ineptitude because you're relying on people to go through their files and their historic stuff and say, do you have anything related to this? And you're asking them to drop what they're doing and stop their work that they're doing, that they're getting paid for to go through you know, their, their hard drive. And by the way, people get hundreds of FOIA requests a year. So, you know, a lot of times you're like, yeah, I don't have anything like that. No, unresponsive. And you respond back, I don't have anything. And the FOIA officer's okay because they can't come in and search your computer. They're not going to sit there. So they're just taking your word at face value. And you're like, look, man, I gotta, I'm in the middle of writing a, a PowerPoint presentation for the boss. I've got 30 minutes to get it done. And now I've got the FOIA request saying you need an answer now. Well, guess what? I got nothing to respond to. You know, action past action completed. Um, I'm not saying that that's right, but that's how oftentimes it works. Question from Jean. Is there one aspect of the phenomenon that Lou finds to be extremely concerning or frightening? Wow, Jean. Um, I think I think the most frightening aspect of the phenomenon really doesn't concern the phenomenon. It involves our own human nature and how we turn against each other when faced with potentially information that is existential. Um, you know, we're really, we're a fragile species emotionally. And anytime you, you, you challenge someone's beliefs or the way that they view the universe, the very, very first reaction is to, to, to fight. And it's disbelief. No, 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 I'm not wrong. You're wrong. And, um, you know, we, we have a hard time really changing, changing our views, even in the face of new evidence. We, we would rather reject the evidence in favor of our own preconceived opinions. And that's problematic because, because real science doesn't work that way. Real science is about constant evaluation and reevaluation of your hypothesis. And, and testing those hypotheses um, and, and, and being your own, you know, worst critic, because that's, that's how you find flaws in theories. And you have to be willing to find flaws in your own theories. You have to, you have to look in the mirror and you have to be able to do that. And this topic is, you know, it's, it's so mysterious and it has a potential for our species in such a profound way that there's a lot of people who just can't even, even conceive it. They'd rather spend their time, you know, watching Keeping Up with the Kardashians. And again, nothing wrong with that. But but when given a choice, you know, do, do you want to have a conversation about potentially something that is that is, is relevant to our entire species and our existence? Um, a lot of people, you know, going back to the old cliche of the Matrix movie, they, they, they you know, they'll, they'll go for that blue pill every time. They think they want the red pill, but in reality, they don't. They want the blue pill. They, they want to, they want to, remain comfortable in their in the little shiny box that they've created for themselves with limitations and boundaries. And okay, this is where I am. This is who I am. And this is where I fit. Um, people are very uncomfortable with the unknown. Um, it's, it's just, it's just the way we are as a species. We don't like uh, the unknown. Uh, and um, that's why, you know, governments and religions and institutions are so important because it's, we expect them to have answers for us. And, uh, and when they don't, it makes us very uncomfortable. And this is a topic where there's a lot more questions than there are answers right now. And it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So, you know, they, 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 they tend to you know, focus on other things, I guess. And by the way, that's not a bad thing. It's not, I'm not, I'm not saying this to try to, 
make anyone feel terrible or, or make anybody feel, you know, bad for not considering this topic a serious topic. Um, it's just the way we are as a species. You know, we, we, we don't like we don't like unanswered questions. And it's probably an evolutionary thing. Probably goes back to the, you know, our instinct of fight or flight, because something that is unknown, something that we don't recognize can be a potential threat. And therefore, we're afraid of it or we fight it. One of the two. <laughs> and so. Um, so, yeah, there you have it. That's, I think that's probably the biggest fear I have regarding this topic isn't the topic itself. It's our reaction to the topic. I've got two more listener questions uh, from Michelle. Are there sensors in use by the U.S. military that are tasked to be specifically uh, specifically track anomalous signatures with parameters guided by UAP encounters? Woo! Can't answer that question. <laughs> Great question, Michelle. <laughs> I, uh, but unfortunately, I, I cannot. Uh, we have we have capabilities that certainly uh, have the technical capabilities to 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 track UAP. Uh, but but are those deliberately focusing on UAP? I, I cannot. I cannot, unfortunately, elaborate on that. Final question from Mike. How would your family say you have changed since 2007, i.e. before you started the ATIP? You know, you'd have to ask them. Uh, I wouldn't want to answer for my family. I think they'd probably tell you I'm exactly the same. Uh, I've always been I've always been this way. I've always been Lou Elizondo, uh, not trying to be anything or anybody else. Um, I've always approached challenges the same way. You know, try try to be open minded, try to be aware of my own cognitive bias when I can, and try to keep it in check. Um, always be careful of, of of pride and ego interfering with with the pursuit of of of, of truth. Um, I don't think I've changed at all. I, you know, I, I I've always kind of I think been this way. But again, you'd have to ask them because you know your the question is really how do they see me, right? And and not how I do how do I see me. And those are two different things. Um, I suspect they would tell you that, but ultimately, you know, maybe maybe set up an interview with, with talk to my wife, maybe talk to, to my kids and ask them that question. I have no problem problem with you asking. I'd happily do that. And I'm sure people would like to hear from them as well, if they would happily get in front of a mic and or camera. Lou, um, our time is almost up and you've mentioned that you're, for, for various reasons, going to be stepping away in the near future from from these sorts of appearances for an amount of time uh, i would hope selfishly that's not for too long but we don't know i just want to give you the floor to finish the podcast to, to speak to the audience and give some final words on advice sure. how you're feeling and just you know what they can do going forward well first of all andy uh, and, and dan let me let me thank you guys profoundly for for the service you're providing for the for the rest of us chickens um it, it's very very appreciated and of course to your audience um for taking the time to spend with us here today and 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 listen. Um, know this. Um, you are the most important piece to this equation. Every single one of you in the audience. It's not me. It's not Andy. It's not Dan. It's you. Um, we're doing this for you because ultimately you're going to have to make a decision. Not me. Uh, and that decision is: is this topic important enough that we need to continue to pursue this as a species? Maybe it's not. That's not up to me. Um, that responsibility falls in, in, in your lap. And so um, I, I hope that, that you continue this pioneering spirit of, of asking questions uh, to include even asking me and challenging me. Um, 
I think I think it's um, it's important because ultimately ultimately you deserve the answers. Whatever those answers are, I, I think I think you deserve those answers. And uh, I guess as far as my my advice is, you know, don't don't stop asking the questions. Be fearless in your pursuit of the truth, wherever, wherever that truth may lie. Um, because ultimately, you know, it's 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 for you. You deserve it. Don't let other people make up make a decision on your behalf whether or not you deserve information. That those those days are over. You now have the ability and the power in your hands to 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 make that decision yourself. I wouldn't be so quick to 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 obfuscate that or, or or just give it away to anybody else because that's that's sacred. So I guess that's that would be my advice to 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 anybody in the audience who who wants wants to know what my what my what my uh, what my position is. And what my advice to you is. Thank you.